We're going to be in Luke chapter 12. And let's open in prayer. Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we look at your word and we take this subject a little more complicated than normal for a Sunday morning, but we ask you to bless it, guide, show us what you want us to say from it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take a very ambitious topic here today as we read Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 35. And we're going to talk about the rapture of the church and try to define that a little bit and help you understand it a bit. So Luke 12, 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves liken to men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching verily, I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And he will and if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch, and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready, for the Son of Man comes at an hour when you think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speaks thou in parables unto us and even to, or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise sir, steward? which his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give him the portion of his meat in due season. Blessed is that servant when the, his Lord, when he comes, shall find him doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him a ruler over all that he has. But if, if that servant say in his heart, the Lord delays in his coming and shall beat the men servant and maid servants and eat and drink and lo, be drunken. And the Lord that the servant shall come in a day when he looks for it not for him. And at that hour when he is not aware and will cut him asunder and will appoint to him his portion of, of the, with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his father, Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes will be beaten with few stripes. For unto whosoever is given, much, who, for whomsoever much is given, of him much is be required, and to whom men have committed much will they end. So we might just look at this. God is telling us, be ready for his return. And he's talking about the idea of a master going away and coming back at an unexpected hour. And he, the master expected their servants to be ready to greet him. And so we have this, this uh, issue, and I'm going to read a couple other, other ones because this is an area that, trying to get some explanation, he's telling us that we need to be prepared. Now, I believe we're getting really close to the end times, and I believe the rapture will happen any time now. It can happen any time. And so we're going to be telling you why. We're going to tell you why I don't believe some of the other ones. So we're going to take a, quite a doctrinally focused message for a Sunday morning that I don't usually go this, this kind of deep teaching on a Sunday morning. But we hit, we hit it in the scripture, so we're going to talk about it. So I'm going to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And read chapter, uh, verses 15 through 18. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent him them from which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of the Lord, and the dead and the rice shall rise first. Then we which were alive and remain shall be caught up together 
with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with him. Therefore, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Paul was talking to the church and saying, Jesus is coming back. Now, in the early church, they really thought that Jesus was coming back in their day. They did not expect that they were living, so we're going to die before he returned. And so he's writing the Corinthians and they're, uh, the Thessalonians, excuse me, and people are dying and they're going, oh, they're not going to get to go to heaven and, and meet Jesus. And he said, no, they were going to get to go first. And then he says, the others will be caught up. Now, you will listen to many people out there that will tell you that the, ra the word rapture is not in the Bible. They are absolutely right. The word rapture is not in the Bible. The, in this particular verse, it uses the Greek word harpazo, which means to snatch up violently and quickly. All right. In the Latin Vulgate, they used the word rapturo, which meant the same thing, to snatch up and, and away. Our English translation of that Latin word is rapture, which means to be caught up. All right. We talk about somebody being enraptured by something. They are caught up in what they see, and they are captured by what they, what they view or what they've accomplished. So we see that just because the word is not there does not mean that the teaching is not there at all. And I'm not going to give you, because I could be talking on the rapture for five or six weeks, we're going to give you a very quick overview of this. And we'll, we've had other times we've taught more on the rapture as well. But we have this period of time that we are all looking forward to as Christians, hopefully, when Jesus will come and say, I'm taking my bride home. And then, as we'll talk about, I believe at that point in a pre-tribulation rapture, which we'll talk about the, the points in just a moment. But at that time, we will go up, we will celebrate in heaven for seven years while all hell breaks loose on earth for the tribulation period. And so we've got this whole period, and this is our looking up. This is where our comfort is. And he says, comfort one another with these words. And these words are, no matter how bad it gets down here before the rapture, God's taken us out before the great tribulation comes and we're going to be in a celebration time during that period of time. And so we see here that Paul is encouraging them that there is an imminent return of Jesus. And we want to keep this in mind that it is imminent. Uh, the church will not go through the wrath of, uh, of God on the world because the wrath is going to be faced to Israel. Now, this is where things get difficult because there are certain groups that say that the church has replaced Israel. That is not true. Yes, for 2,000 years, God is focusing on the church. I mean, Israel has been kind of put on the, on the shelf for 2,000 years, but they are back in their nation. God is blessing them completely, even though they don't deserve it. They're not godly. They're not following God, but God is still blessing them just as he told Abraham he would. And there's going to come a time when the church is taken and everything focuses back on Israel. All right, we're getting into some heavy eschatology, which is in study of end times. But, you know, I'm just going to give you all this. I'm not going to give all the proof tonight, today of every point of eschatology. Because one day I will do a full series on end times again. Uh, at the point of the church being taken, there will be seven years where Satan rules this world. Now, Satan, when I say rules, he's still on a chain. God still con controls him, but he's given a lot of freedom. Also, during that period of time, you have the, 
the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls, judgments, and you know, uh, done the math on the people just that are mentioned in Revelation that die, about 66% of the world is going to die during that period of time. That's a lot of people. Two out of every three people will die during the tribulation period. It'll be a time that you don't want to be there, and I'm glad the church will not be there. So we we're, want to see that. And First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 says, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but unto salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not appointed to wrath. We're not appointed to that. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have discipline. doesn't mean we don't have trials. But we're not appointed to his wrath. And that, and that is something very important for us. Um, Joel 2 verses 1 through 2 tells us that wrath falls on Israel at the end days. And in Jeremiah 30, it tells us that it's called the, tri the, the um, tribulations of Jacob. So we know that all of this is going to fall on Israel and the rest of the world. But God is trying to get their attention. And Israel is going to fall for the Antichrist at first according to Revelation, and about halfway through, when he stands up in the temple and declares, I am God, worship me, the Jewish people are going to recognize and be given a divine revelation that he is not, not their Messiah, and then they will run and hide for the next three and a half years, and God will protect them until he returns in victory to cast Satan into bondage for a thousand years and then release him at the end of the Millennial Kingdom. Now, uh, you've got a very quick overview of... <laughs> of end times here. So let's go back to the rapture a little bit. There are basically three views of when the rapture might happen. And I'm going to just go over them real quick with you and what they mean. There is a group of people that believe in the post-rapture. What that means is we as a church go through all the tribulation period and when we get to the end of the period, tribulation period Jesus calls us home and then we come right back down with him to reign for a thousand years. I don't see much sense in that. I'm not, we'll, tell you, we'll tell you why I don't believe that one in a moment. There's a lot, lot more than just the logic of it. There's a mid-trib position that says that we get to stay around till halfway through the tribulation, same time when the Jews will recognize that the Messiah has not come, and then we'll be called to heaven and spend three and a half years with Jesus and come back at the end of, end of the, the period. Um, there's a new one coming out that you may have heard of. It's put out by a man named Rosenberg, uh, and he says pre-wrath. He doesn't want to say mid-trib. He just says before God's wrath falls, the church will be taken in a rapture. So he's kind of open to anywhere from the beginning to deep into the tribulation period for the church to be taken out. I'm going to count him as mid-trib. You know, he's, he's got the same reasons I don't believe him for the same reasons I don't believe in the mid-trib position. We have pre-trib, which means that at the beginning of all, the, at the beginning of the reign of the Antichrist, we're taken, uh, taken out, and then all the wrath of God falls upon upon this world. There are some positions, and this is a very minor one. There are people who say there's no rapture at all. We just all go through everything, and and we usher in the kingdom of God. And that one doesn't even fit the Bible at all. So I'm not going to do much. But if you do hear that one, be aware that I've just told you about it. <laughs> um, so why do we have problems with some of these? Well, the first thing is that it is the imminent return of Christ. Just as we read in, in Luke chapter 12, we don't know the day and time of the return of Jesus. 
So there is nothing that has to be done, and this is some places where people say certain things have to be done. There is nothing that has to be accomplished before Jesus can return. And some people will tell you, well, the whole world has to hear the gospel message. Well, it's going to hear the gospel message. Because in Revelation, it tells us there's 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are going to tell the world. And if that's not enough, God says there's going to be an angel flying around the world at the very end before everything is over. So everybody in the world is going to hear from an angel. So he doesn't need us to accomplish that before he returns. So that is not a valid argument for, for the weight of God. The disciples believed that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. So they believed in the imminent return of Christ and did not believe anything needed to be fulfilled. Uh, the idea that... Uh, um, we are not appointed to wrath because in the post-tribulation uh, view, we are looking at Revelation. I'm going to read Revelation. Where's my verse? Revelation 13:7. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given over him, over all kindreds and all tongues and all nations. So during the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to have power over all things. Now, you've got to think about this. Is God going to give power of, over his bride to Satan? No. So he is not going to have authority. He will not. So the post-tribulation view denies his sovereignty to keep his people because it says he will have power over all. And then it says it denies the idea that there's a, uh, uh, for this whole thing. So it, it denies imminence. It, it de defies the unknown because in the post-tribulation uh, post rapture, you know when it's going to happen. All you got to do is wait seven years and you're going to be taken. So there's no, there's no unknown in there. All right, so this is the problems with post, post. And there's a lot of people out there that believe post-tribulation. Post now, before I go too much further, is any of this a salvation issue? Are you going to go out there and argue with people over what they believe about the tribulation? I hope not. It's not a salvation error, error, uh, issue. If they think that they're going to go through the whole tribulation and go through all that wrath and judgment and everything, well... I don't know how they're going to be comforted by the rapture, but that, that's fine. Uh, if they're a mid-trib, it doesn't matter. If they're pre-trib, it really doesn't matter. But I do believe they have real solid scriptural and theological issues with this. If I believe I've got to go through all of that wrath, all of that trouble, when I'm his, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, why did Jesus die? You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. We're, it, we're missing grace. The mid-tribulation and pre-wrath have some problems with them as well. Both of them deny the imminence of Christ. All right? Why? Well, the rapture has, the tribulation has to start, go for three and a half years before I'm taken. So there is an item that must start for me to get to the mid-trib position. And so this is something that is going to be a problem with it. Um, and again, we know the time. All I have to do is get into the tribulation, wait for three and a half years, and I know Jesus is coming. So, again, it's violating two of the things we know about the rapture. So then we get to the pre-trib. It satisfies the eminence of Christ. Jesus comes anytime he wants. 
and takes us. We definitely don't know the time. We do know the seasons, and, and we're told to look at the seasons. We see the seasons. We see wars and rumors of wars. We see people living after their own lifestyle and doing what is good in their own eyes. We see them calling uh, good evil and evil good. We see them, you know, they're being rebellious against God. We see things getting like the days of Noah. And I don't know how much further they have to get to be there, but we are at the end days. Without a revival, we are at the end days. So the rapture is imminent. We need to be ready for it and looking up. And it tells us that uh, there's no wrath that we're going to be. And then the final one for me is that we are going to go celebrate the marriage supper of the Lamb with Jesus. We are his bride. In a Jewish wedding of those days, they would get engaged. The husband would go out and build a house and get his job established. And then one day he would come and he would kidnap his wife from her father's house, take her, take her back to where they would have a party for one week and celebrate and have their marriage finished. Well, it sounds a lot like a pre-tribulation rapture to me that he's been, what did he tell the disciples? I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not true, I would not have told you. What did they hear? You're going to go prepare the place for your bride and take your bride with you. And then we have a seven-year anniversary or a one week of years to celebrate a marriage supper of the Lamb. So I am very solidly in the pre-trib. If you're not, that's fine. You talk to me later on about why I'm wrong. That's fine. I know what you'll, I'll know what you'll say, and that's fine. It's, uh, I know what I'll, I'll say. I believe in a, a pre-trib rapture. There, one of the things people will tell us, well, you pre-trib guys are just escapists. You're looking to escape all the problems. Well, you know what? I think we're going to have a lot of problems before the tribulation. You know, I think we'll have problems here in America. The rest of the world is having problems already. Millions of Christians die every year as martyrs. Every year. In, in places in Africa and Asia, the life expectancy of a Christian is less than a year to two years. They become a Christian and they get killed. So we are at persecution. Now we have been very free in America of persecution. But I believe it's coming even in America and we see the signs all over the place of persecution coming upon American Christians. Prepare our hearts and then look up. The rapture is coming soon. And can you imagine what it'll be like for every Christian, every true Christian to just be taken. I've actually thought about it because I work at the prison, you know, and if one person gets out of place at the prison, there's panic. And there's several people in that prison that are Christians. I, and I just thought about that the other day, you know, I was about a month ago, I was thinking, what kind of panic will it be when, there's a, when the rapture hits? And let's say there's only 1% of the prisoners that are saved, that's still 30 prisoners that just disappear. Not counting the staff that will disappear. There will be sheer panic, but it'll be panic all around, the, all around the world when people just disappear in the middle of everything that they're doing. And this is why it's called snatching away. You're going to be in the middle of whatever and be gone. You know, and we want to think about that. You know, in, you know, I think about this several times with our nice, wonderful cars that can drive themselves. 
and keep going until they hit something. Our nice automatic cars will just keep going until they run off the road or hit something. And what kind of chaos is going to happen when God takes his people away? Now, we, most of us think of, well, I'm just happy, I'll be gone. And I'm going to be happy, I'll be gone. But the chaos that's going to happen in this world when millions of people disappear, just are taken instantly. Now, there'll be all kinds of excuses, I'm sure. You know, uh, one of the problems with alien, alien abductions and everything is that's going to be one of the big excuses they're going to use. Well, the aliens finally came and rescued us from all those crazy Christians that were making us feel bad about, about what we want to do. You know, so we're going to see all kinds of, well, we won't, we'll be gone. There'll be all kinds of excuses for it. But for us, it is a thing to look forward to. No matter how bad things get here on earth, we get to go to heaven. And we're going to get there either by dying or by being snatched away in the rapture. And I think we're in the generation that might very well see snatched away in the rapture. So this is something I just wanted to bring up. I'm not giving you everything there is to know about the rapture. <laughs> Hopefully I've given you enough to understand it better, understand more about it, because this is a very important thing for us to understand. Many people are trying to tell you, well, this is a new doctrine. Nobody's ever taught it. Well, I see it all through the Bible, so I don't, I don't believe it's a new doctrine. I, the early church fathers talked about it. They didn't use the word rapture, but they used the word rapturo and they used the word harpazo. So they still used the, they still talked about the same exact thing. They just didn't use the same term we use. So don't buy into these things when people say this is new. Nobody's ever talked about it. Nobody's ever considered it. So just understand this is our encouragement. Jesus is returning for his bride to the church. And when he was here, said, I don't know the day. Only the Father knows the day. And I can picture Jesus up in heaven just looking at the Father and saying, is it time to go get my bride yet? You know, I've, I've built the houses. I've, I've got it. I'm all set. Can I go get my bride? And he's waiting for the day that the Father says, today, get your bride. Today. Now, what he's waiting for, I have no idea. That's him. This goes back to our verse. There is no searching of his understanding. He knows when it's going to happen. He knows when it's going to, to be the case. And when it's right, he'll say, now, take your bride. And, then, and at that point, everything switches back toward Egypt. Uh, Egypt, yeah. Israel. <laughs> and Israel becomes the focus of everything in the last seven years. At the end of that seven-year reign, Jesus comes back to, to this world with us to rule on the world for a, a full thousand years, the millennial rule, where he will rule this world and things will be returned more like Eden. And it, scriptures tell us that if a man dies at 100 years old, he'll be considered a child. So it's telling us that we're going to go back to the eight, 900-year lifespans and people are going to have children and have, have all this. And at the end of the thousand years, Satan is released to give one last chance to tempt mankind and be able to bring them back. 
And why is he released? There are a lot of people who don't understand why he's released, but what is the last big lie of Satan out there? If man just lived in perfection, if the world was really good, they would be good. God's going to give mankind a thousand years of rule with him with good going on and stopping sins before they happen and Satan will come and still tempt them and they will still fall. The last big lie of Satan will be destroyed. So we want to keep these things in mind. But, uh, hopefully I didn't lose everybody. I hope I maybe it was a clear on a, on a 20 or 30 minute uh, explanation of the end times. But this is something, there will, we will have another series on it. We've had one in the past, but we'll have another series on this someday. Uh, because it is very important for us to understand what is coming. And know that we should not fear. And this is the most important thing, is we're looking around our world. We're looking at the possibility of World War III starting over in the Ukraine with Russia. We're looking at the diseases every time we turn around that are going to destroy the, destroy the world. For us as Christians, we already know what's coming. The one thing I can tell you is this world is not going to be destroyed by a nuclear, nuclear war. Why? Because Jesus is coming back and there's a tribulation period for seven years that people have to go through and he's going to reign for a thousand years. I know that this world is not going to be demolished by nuclear war. Now, does that mean some nations won't be destroyed? No, that's a different story. But we need to understand, we have no fear because we are in the hands of a God who knows what's coming, who is sovereign and in control. So we need to understand there is a full control out there. Now, if you're not his child, then there is something to concern about because when the rapture comes, you will spend seven years in tribulation with the rest of the world. How do we become his child? We confess that we are a sinner. Recognize that we're a sinner and we're all sinners. We recognize the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, and we accept that Jesus came to this world, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, and then was raised again victoriously for us so that we could be forgiven. And this is the great thing. I was talking with a man this week, and he was telling me that he, one thing he doesn't like about Christians is that people can do bad things and still go to heaven. And I'm going, well, you do understand that you do bad things, don't you? He goes, yeah, but my things aren't as bad as these guys I'm talking about. we got to understand God's standard is perfection. If you are not perfect, you are not going to heaven. That puts all of us out by that standard. But by turning to Christ and asking for his forgiveness... He covers us with his blood and then he clothes us with his righteousness so that when God looks at us, he sees a perfect person. Now, heaven knows we know we're not perfect, but a good thing that God sees us different than we see ourselves. But this is what salvation is all about, recognizing that I'm a sinner, confessing that to God and saying, God, I believe that Jesus paid the price and ask him to come to be my Lord and Savior. And then you are his child. You're part of the bride. You will go into the rapture. If you die before the rapture, you'll, your spirit will go right to the presence of the Father. And then you'll get a body back again at the rapture. So we want to be looking at these things and understanding the great blessing that we have of the rapture. The great thing to look forward to. Because no matter what happens, we get to spend time with God. I love that. It doesn't matter. 
When I was young, I used to tell people the worst thing they can do to me is almost kill me. And that, that made them really think, they're going, what, I, I could kill you? And go, yeah, you can kill me, and I'll go to heaven. So if you're going to do something really bad, make sure you kill me. And so is that really our hope? Is that our confidence that we are in God's hands? That no matter what happens to us, we are in God's hands, and he's got a plan, and it's a good plan even if we don't understand why it's good. You know, and you all know I love Romans 8.28. It is one of my favorite verses. For all things work together for good for those who are called of God and love God and, and are, love God and are called according to his purpose. I'm having trouble quoting verses today. And it's my favorite verse. <laughs> but you know, he's got a plan for us. And I've said many times, sometimes I've gone to God and I go, God, I don't understand how this can be good, but it's in your hands. I trust you. And that should be our, our goal. Do we trust God to put our entire life in his hands? So this is where we're at with this. And hopefully I didn't lose everybody in this and gave you another, enough to understand a little bit about the rapture. We'll, we'll talk more about it at some time in the future. So, Lord, we ask you to bless us today. Help us to keep comforted by the fact that you are in charge if we are your children. Lord, we ask you to guide keep us show us your love show us your care lord if there's anybody in this room or on the internet that doesn't know you we ask today that they will recognize that they're a sinner and accept your gift of salvation and then seek out a christian to tell them about that event that's happened in their life that they have changed and committed themselves to you and we just thank you in jesus name amen listening friends where will you be when you die we ask this question of a lot of people oftentimes, and the biggest answer we'll get is, I hope I will be in heaven. If hope is your answer, you don't know God, and this is a problem. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you do not know for sure that you're going to go into heaven, please, today, make your decision to follow him. It is simply just ask him, Lord, I am a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make him your Lord. If you've said that prayer, let us know so that we can send you a new believers packet. You can contact us at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or even pastor at chloridebaptistchurch.com. Or you can just send us a regular letter at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona. 86431. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day.